We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, DBTPFL. We're here to talk football. It is that time of the week again. I'm joined by my good buddy, Genie for 07. Grant, how's it going, my friend? Not too, not too badly. This looks like a fun little slate. Week, what was it, seven? Was it seven? Seven. This is eight. Um, week seven didn't go terribly. I think I was right around break even, but ready, ready to take one down this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I had so much right last week and just none of them on the, the same team together. Those are the weeks that I hate. Um, so ready to get back after it this week. And um, I mean, there's some really good matchups and a lot of a lot of games, 12 games. Um, or was it 13 or 12? I think it's, it's 12. 12. So, I mean, by weeks following where they fall, you know, 12 game slates for NFL are nice yeah uh all right let's get into it we get started at the top we got the dolphins and the bills 48 and a half total here buffalo is a 14 point favorite they have a 31.25 implied team total uh talk to me here about the miami dolphins we're not really allowed to love the buffalo bills have been really good on the defensive end both gets running gets the pass so Tua hasn't looked great. They only have a 17.5 total. I think of one piece in this game, like Gasecki and Parker are obviously fine. Like Waddle's fine. Like, but they're all kind of priced where they should be in this matchup. Buffalo's done pretty well against Gasecki in the past. They're pretty decent versus the tight end. So I don't really see a huge ceiling from him, although it is a slight pretty deprived of tight ends. Waddle is fine, but the real play, I think, in this one is going to be Gaskins. Um like with that Brown there, like he got 15 rushing attempts last week. He's gotten over four or more targets each of the last three weeks. He's been heavily involved in this offense. It kind of plays to a game where they're going to be behind for a large majority of it. So Gaston's going to be in. He's going to get heavy receiving work in the past game. So I think he's the one guy that kind of stands out as a potential tournament play. I mean, we saw this guy go up 31 points a few weeks ago versus Tampa Bay. This is going to be a similar type game script. This is going to be a similar type matchup. He's going to go very under-owned. Well, I don't expect him to get done much done in the running game. The passing game is really where he's going to contribute. Yeah, I think in the passing game is where Gaskin makes a ton of sense. I don't know if I would take shots on him on FanDuel, but I think on DraftKings, the full point PPR makes a huge difference for him. So um, I definitely don't mind Gaskin in this spot. I don't mind Gasecki or Waddle. Um, Parker should be back you know, with the hamstring, but I mean, I think it's Waddle, Gasecki, Gaskin, and you're just kind of playing catch up on Buffalo here. And then on the Buffalo side of things, Miami's defense is so bad that Diggs, Sanders, Beasley could have a field day in this spot. I mean, the run defense is really bad, but it's hard to trust either one of these guys. Um, one news to kind of note here for Buffalo is Dawson Knox is not going to play. Um, he had a hand injury and has already been ruled out. So uh, talk to me about Buffalo. 
I mean, going with the passing game is never really a bad idea with Buffalo. I mean, Josh Allen probably grades out as one of the better point per doll or raw points plays on the entire slate. I mean, this guy just keeps getting it done. He's good. He's got a huge ceiling. They have a 31 implied team total. Everyone assumes that game script is going to keep him from getting there, but we've seen this a few times from him before and just putting up big numbers. And then, yeah, we know who his pass catchers are. I mean, Diggs is priced up, but gotten 10 targets in three of the last four weeks. Still hasn't gotten a ton of touchdowns this season, which he's due for some positive regression there. Not going to be terribly high-owned. He's fine. Beasley offers you a pretty nice floor plus a decent ceiling considering his price tag of under 5K. I think that he's a guy that's going to be the chalkier guy to throw in with Allen because of his price tag. Sanders, fine. Like, if you want to take a shot on a really cheap tight end, I think Sweeney's really the only guy they have going for him. Um, he could take the Docs and Knox role. He could end up with a touchdown or two. He's 2.9K. There are worse things you can do if you just want to full-on punt tight end. Running back situation, I mean, you can take a shot on Singletary. You can take a shot on Moss just because of game script and how bad this Dolphins defense has been. But you're really just kind of flipping a coin between which one's going to be. I think I have a heavier lean towards Moss because he will get the red zone work, potentially put two in there. But I'm probably staying away from this game for the majority of my lineups. Yeah, maybe like a few Josh Allen stacks in this spot just because the Dolphins defense is so bad. And the Dolphins actually do have some like interesting run back plays that are not overly expensive. So, I mean, outside of that, I don't really have a ton of interest. Uh, moving on, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, 46 and a half total. Atlanta is a three-point favorite. Um, we'll start here with the Carolina side of things. Any interest in the Panthers? I think TJ Moore is a pretty solid play, although we're expecting him and Chubba both to be pretty heavily owned that this offense just looks so gosh darn bad for weeks now. Um, Darnold does not look good in there. Pretty sure he got replaced by PJ Walker. Who knows if it'll happen again? I mean, Darnold is just bad right now, but Moore is just going to end up getting there with the sheer amount of targets that he gets every single week. I mean, he's gotten over 10, 10 or more in, every week this season besides two of them. So based on volume, I think that you could definitely end up playing. There's very few chances where he doesn't end up hitting going up against this bad Atlanta defense. Chubba Hubbard, like he's getting the entirety of the running back carries. Like he's, he's heavily involved in this offense did not pay off last week. I think there's a spot where if his ownership doesn't come in too high that you could play him. Robbie Anderson, just super interesting how many targets he's getting and how terrible He's doing on that every single week. He's a tournament play. Like the numbers say to play him that he's drastically undervalued, but it's, it's just so tough to trust him with how bad he's been lately. So for tournaments, yeah, go ahead. Like you can stack this Carolina Panthers team up. I'm probably going to end up being underweight on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Carolina in this spot. The ownership is, you know, something that's kind of concerning. I will say this. Robbie Anderson is projected for hardly any ownership, and his targets are up. So I think Robbie Anderson for tournaments makes a ton of sense. DJ Moore, high floor. Um, Hubbard is definitely still in play. And I don't even mind maybe throwing like a Sam Darnold, DJ Moore stack in this game um, because I do think Carolina, this is a great, like, get-right spot for them. So – on the Atlanta side of things, I mean, Carolina has been really tough against the run all year and Patterson keeps scoring, but I mean, I think this is a Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts spot. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. I mean, Ryan just keeps throwing the ball 40 plus times every single week. Like, I don't know if I want to play Ryan here. He is priced up at 5.9 K and I think he gets more upside on some other guys, even though he has been putting up some decent outings, he really hasn't been crushing GPP value in any of these spots. So to me, it's probably like Ridley and Pitts. I mean, Patterson has been very involved. It is a tough run spot here. It's not really the easiest pass spot either, but Patterson's so heavily involved in the receiving game that it really doesn't matter. Um, you can play him in GPPs, although our current ownership projection makes me not want to play him at all, sitting at 21 projected. Um, so We'll wait and see where that ends up later on the week. But Pitts and Ridley, like Ridley, I think will come in a little bit lower owned than he should, probably should. He still had 10 targets last week. He's had 10 targets in each of the last five games that he's ended up playing. Just hasn't fully paid off. 
any of these spots. And it's going to happen at one of these points. I mean, Bryant's putting up 300 yards almost every single week, and Ridley is going to be heavily involved one of these weeks. I think this could potentially be the one. So at 6.6K, you're getting a decent price discount here for how good he has been in the past and how good he probably will be going forward. So I think Ridley's the play over Pitts, but I'm not going to argue with either of them. Pitts has just been fantastic so far. Yeah, I mean, with their prices being so close together, I think Ridley's the play too. Um, But, I mean, you kind of already – you mentioned it a minute ago. Tight end is not, like, stellar this week. Um, No Kittle, no Kelsey, no Walla. Like, this is a spot where tight end is going to be pretty spread out. um, And Pitts being the highest-priced tight end could come in at lower ownership this week. So – I mean, I think both these guys, I, I don't want to play Patterson. I get it. Maybe I play him on a few teams, but he's not someone that I'm going to be like, I'm going to be overweight on this guy. Um, yeah, I always throw him in just on a few you teams. You have to. You have yeah. to. Like, he's too involved in the red zone. Like, not only is he getting, like, the carries now, but he's just too involved in the red zone um, to not have interest in him. Yeah. Steelers, Browns, 42 total. Cleveland is a three and a half point favorite here. Um, what are your thoughts here on Pittsburgh? Najee, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, Najee is just so heavily involved in this offense. He's going to get 20 plus touches every single week. He's priced up a bit, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, you just pick and choose your poison, which higher or mid tier running back you want to go with. The passing game, like, I mean, I'm never going to argue with Johnson or Claypool. Any given week, like they can absolutely get it done. Johnson can get there easily just based on targets. Claypool, always a big red zone threat. Both of them are coming at low ownership. If that continues and they're down to the 1%, 2% ownership range, then absolutely play them. But if they're going to be around 7 8 9 10% owned, then I think I'd rather just take the upside elsewhere. I mean, it's a not great matchup versus Cleveland. This is going to be a slow-paced game. There's a 41 implied team total, or there's a 41 over-under on this game. Like, it's just going to be an ugly game on both sides of the ball. Not going to be a ton of scoring. So it's tough to really trust anyone. You're just basically playing Claypool or Johnson only on PBR sites just for the sheer volume that it's going to be thrown their way. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh for me, it's it's Harris and Johnson. That's kind of it. I mean, Cleveland has had some injuries here to their secondary over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, you could definitely take some shots on Johnson or Claypool, but my favorite would be Johnson and then Harris. And then on the Cleveland side of things, Baker Mayfield expected back for this game. Um, I don't know. So many mouths to feed with Peoples um, and Landry and Odell Beckham. I just, I guess Chubb, right? Maybe we he's, should. He's have, cheap. He's yeah. cheap, if, especially without hunting here. Yeah, like it's assuming that he plays with the calf injury. Like he he came back to practice and practice limited on Wednesday. Assuming that he plays, I mean, even in this tough matchup, I think we have to consider Chubb. Yeah, it really doesn't matter with this guy, considering you can break off an eighty-yard run at any given time. I mean, Chubb is just so good without hunting there to steal away a large amount of the workload like Chubb could end up with 25 30 carries in the spot even against a bad Pittsburgh defense this line's good enough and he's good enough that he can easily end up getting there I mean Darius Johnson did pretty well in his one game again I think it's mostly just this offensive line but I don't think he's a guy that's going to be targeted that heavily in the receiving game and be used that much and take away from Chubb here. So it's really just him. Like Beckham and Landry just haven't done anything. The tight ends, yeah, if you want to take a shot on Joku or Hooper, you can. Like tight ends ugly enough this year, but they don't really grade out as good plays. It's it's pretty much just the running game in this game. So, yeah, it's it's, it's ugly. Like the total reflects about how much fantasy value should be in here. Yeah, I mean – this game is not my favorite game on the slate. If you're, I mean, Chubb at his price, the ceiling is high, um, but the pass catchers, I mean, maybe Jarvis Landry at 5K a little bit. Um, I think this is going to be a defensive type of game and we're not going to see a ton of scoring. So Cincinnati at New York facing the Jets, 43 total here. Cincinnati is 11 point favorite. So let's start with the Bengals. The Jets run defense is bad. 
Grant. Is this a spot where we hope Joe Mixon gets the work and we don't look too much into Piron? Yeah, no, I, I would assume Joe Mixon's going to get the overwhelming workload. I get Piron has been a little bit involved recently, but Mixon is the guy. Like, it's a good match for him going up against the Jets. It's a very good game script. The problem is there's so many running backs in this six and a half to seven and a half K range that are underpriced. So you kind of wait and see where our ownership is. 10% owned is what we currently have Mixon at. And I think that if he's going to come in at that and we keep that projection later on in the week, then he can end up with a slight crushing value here. I mean, if he's going to come in higher owned, Jamar Chase, like the Jets defense is just not great all around. Chase has been so good. He gets those long bombs. He has huge ceiling every single matchup here. He can put up a massive game. He has tons of touchdown equity. And we had currently have projected for low ownership because of the 7.5K price tag. I think there's a spot where you kind of go with the lower owned of the two between Mixon and Chase. Yes, it very much with game script points more towards Mixon being the guy, but Chase can absolutely have a massive game here. So it's kind of between those two. If you want to go Higgins or Boyd, do a full-on Burrow stack. That's not the worst idea in the world. Like, they could end up throwing the ball, but they've shown pretty much this entire season that in neutral game scripts or times in their head, they're going to run the ball a lot with Mixon. So I don't see a huge ceiling if they get out to an early lead. Yeah, and I mean, running running it back in this game with the Jets side, uh, I feel like they're going to throw the ball. But what can we really expect from Mike White? I mean, maybe a few shots on like Davis and Crowder, but I think this is like a Cincinnati mixing Cincinnati defense type of spot paired together and maybe just be way underweight on the Jets. Yeah, I mean, the only guy you can really give any ownership to is going to be Corey Davis. He's been targeted pretty heavily. They are going to have to throw the ball, and he is a little bit of a red zone threat. We've seen one or two, three decent games from him this year. He's priced at 5.2K. He's projected at low ownership. So I don't really mind Davis as a bring back. Everyone else, I'm just full on staying away from. But Davis is the guy that's shown upside so far this season. Although, is Flacco projected to start? I, from what I read, was Mike White's going to play? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't think they're much of a downgrade from Wilson and the, uh, the volume will be there, but it's just going to be gross all around. Davis is really the only guy you want to even think about bringing it back with. Uh, man, maybe Crowder. Uh, maybe Crowder, like a possession type receiver. Crowder gets 10 catches in this game. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Like, I think. Uh, I think, like I said, I think it's a mix in Cincinnati defense spot. But uh, if you're wanting to run it back, I think it's Davis or Crowder. Michael Carter's really cheap. And, I mean, maybe. But uh, just, this game is ugly. This game is ugly. Yeah, this- with Michael Carter, too. Like, Johnson could take a decent amount of the passing work away from him. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 gross. Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, 50 and a half total. The Colts are a minus one and a half favorite here. Um, let's start with the Titans. The Colts, they're not allowing a ton of fantasy points to running backs. They've been very good against running backs, but Derrick Henry is not your average running back. What are your thoughts on the Titans? Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry, like he's been hit or miss going up against the Colts. Like the Colts have had good run defense for years, and I think he's had like over a hundred yards in 50% of the games where I faced him. Like he's had breakout games in half the ones where he's faced him and just entirely mediocre to bad games in the other ones where he's ended up facing the Colts. So his history against this team has been a little bit up and down and a little bit on both sides. So I never mind Henry as a tournament pivot, especially if he's going to be sub 10% owned because of this price tag. Definitely ends up making some set sense, but I think probably the better play is to target the passing game again. I mean, Tannehill had a pretty darn good outing and he didn't really have to throw it all in the second half and he got a touchdown vultured by Derrick Henry, which I'm still furious about. Um, gosh, why would they do that to me? I was all over the Tennessee pass game and that extra touchdown could have gotten me over the edge there, but... That's beside the point. Um, AJ Brown, 
Tannehill, I think, are the plays. But if Derrick Henry is going to come in at low ownership, we learned this earlier on the season when we went up against the Seahawks. Anytime Derrick Henry is low-owned, you play him. You just play him because he can break out a massive game against any team. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, like him and Alvin Kamara, they're not in great spots. Kamara up against Tampa Bay and Henry up against the Colts. So I think a lot of people are going to pay down at running back. We've talked about so many good running backs this week. So I like the idea of paying up for Henry in a spot where he's going to be low owned. Um, with that being said, AJ Brown's going to be low owned in this game too. And I like AJ Brown here as well on the Colts side of things. I mean, it's hard not to have interest in Jonathan Taylor on a, on a weekly basis at this point, but I think this is a spot where I think Pittman is the guy. 5.3K seems too cheap for this matchup. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with this offense with T.Y. Hilton likely coming back. Um, and you'll have to wait on that news later on the week, but I think it's looking trending to, more towards him coming back. Pittman, yeah, he's just so heavily involved. I mean – don't pay too much attention to that San Francisco game. Like, well, he did end up putting up a big game, but he also got three separate, like, horrible PI calls on him, um, like right near the end zone. Well, the defense just grabbed him. So he could have easily had a much bigger game. And realistically, he actually had eight targets, I think, because the three PI calls and one call getting called back because of holding. So he was targeted pretty heavily in this offense going up against San Francisco and going up against Houston. They just weren't throwing the ball much. This game projects to be a whole lot closer. Um, Vegas does think that Tennessee is a dog. Like they were one point favorite at the beginning of the week. And Dean got on me about betting the Colts. And <laughs> Dean, you're wrong. Uh, they're now minus 130 favorites. But yeah, Pittman and Hilton, I think, are the guys. Like, I don't hate throwing in Carson Wentz. He really hasn't had a ton to throw to so far this season. Tennessee has been involved in some big quarterback games against him. He's shown a willingness to run the ball. Having Hilton in this offense is definitely an upgrade for him. They might run a little bit less two tight end sets and might end up running the ball a little bit less here going with uh, Hilton in the lineup. And then Mo Cox, like, he just keeps getting touchdowns. Ugly, ugly tight end week, 3.2K. Like, you're just hoping for 10 points. You can easily get that out of them. We got the Eagles and the Lions, 48 total. Philadelphia is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Um, Speaking of tight ends, I I think Dallas Goddard is going to be the chalky tight end in this on this week. And, I mean, Detroit's been really good against tight end this season, and I think it's more of just – no Ertz here. Dallas Goddard, 4.7K. Um, I mean, the only consistent people um, for the Eagles has been Goddard and Smith. But, I mean, you know, we've been talking about cheap running backs. Here's Gainwell, 5K, no Sanders in this game. Detroit's been bad against the run. What are we looking at here with Philadelphia? Yeah, it's definitely a really interesting spot with Gainwell. Without Sanders in this lineup, he's clearly going to be the guy. He's heavily involved in the receiving game. Detroit is just a horrible, horrible defense. Um, Like, the thing that worries me is his ownership, obviously. He's going to come in 25% of lineups, and Boston Scott, I have to assume, is just going to come in here and just crush our souls. Like, it could be a split backfield. We don't actually know. I wouldn't be surprised anything they do with Boston Scott potentially getting some extra work this week. He could easily end up being the guy in this offense and still bringing in game. He might just take Miles Sanders' role. They might pound the rock with him. It'll be interesting to see Goddard. I'd have no problem playing with him, playing him here. Um, he has been good. Like, this is he's the number one guy without Ertz here. Detroit. Like, even though they've been good against tight ends, a lot of that stuff is noise generally throughout the course of the season because premier tight ends end up putting up the big games. And sometimes it's just based on schedule. You can go six, seven, eight weeks without seeing a premier tight end. So he's fine. Like, I'm worried about the ownership. Smith's fine. I'm worried about the ownership. Hertz is probably my favorite quarterback play on the slate. I am worried about the ownership. He's had some tough matchups going up against Tampa Bay, going up against Carolina. Like, 
but he just keeps putting up big numbers every single week. Like he has not had less than 20 points in any single game, his entire career that he's played the entire game. He's got the rushing floor. He's got the passing upside. He's going up against a terrible defense. This game is at a three and a half point spread. So this game could end up being close with how bad Philly's been like Jalen hurts. Pair him with whoever you want or play him naked. Like, he's still got a ton of upside, and he gives you the safest floor on the slate. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is is very interesting here at 7.2K. I think going Hurts, even, even by himself, uh, is maybe something you could look at. I mean, Smith and Goddard, Gainwell's going to have so much in- ownership, and I mean, it's not like they were running the ball with Sanders a lot anyway. They want to throw. Um, so... This is an interesting spot for the Eagles. And then going to the Detroit side of things, speaking of running back, that's just been awesome this season. Um, DeAndre Swift is is having a fantastic year, and he's by far my favorite like run back option here for Detroit. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has been good. He's game script proof because he's so heavily involved in the receiving game, and Detroit just does not have good wide receivers. Ownership worries me, but I don't care. Like, he's pretty – he's giving you one of the best floors out of any running back because of his wide receiver work and just game script proof running style. He's fantastic. It's interesting right now. Jared Goff is popping in some optos, um, which I don't want to play him. And I have a feeling some people are going to play him. But in this spot, like with how close the spread is, Hawkinson – just after putting up a massive first two games hasn't done it since, but the volume has been there in three, of the last four weeks, nine, 11, three and eight total targets in the last four weeks. He has some upside. He just hasn't gotten into the end zone since week two. He's looking healthier going up against this Philly defense. I think Hawkinson's kind of the play at tight end when everyone's going to be on Dallas Goddard at just 700 cheaper. Like Hawkinson's going to go very low owned here and he could end up putting up a massive play. So I think he's kind of the pivot off of Swift. Yeah, I like that. Um, I don't really love the whole wide receiver situation here. I mean, if I was going to play anybody, it'd probably be Raymond. Um, Hawkinson's getting the targets. Uh, like I just tight end is so weak this, this week. So, I mean, I just, I like the idea of paying up a tight end, but I, most of my builds will probably have cheaper tight ends. Um, but Swift, Hawkinson, Raymond, I don't even hate like a Jared Goff. I think this game has potential to be a shootout. Yeah, we've seen it with Detroit games before, strangely enough. I don't think this next game is going to be a shootout. It's the 49ers and the Bears. It's 39 and a half. San Francisco is a four-point favorite. Uh, is there anything that you like here from the 49ers? Mitchell, move on. I mean, you can play Samuel, but it's Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell and the defense, maybe Debo, just because my my biggest problem with like Debo Samuel and like I'm interested to see how this changes throughout the week. It's projected for 25 percent ownership right now, like yeah, which is ridiculous at 7.4k. I get that he's been good. The target share is really insane. Think- Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I mean, the game script, like, Chicago's got a pretty decent defense, and the game script just makes me believe they're going to run it on the ground and try not to make mistakes. Like, that's what they're going to do. I get the target share. If he was coming at 5% ownership, I'd say play him. But 25%, no chance. Yeah. I got nothing. Um, And on the Bears, I don't don't even like anything on the Bears. I mean, I think you can take Herbert, but... The game script for both of these running backs is nice because they're going to get the workload, but like the clock's always going to be running in this game. Um, and, and that's why the total's just so low. Yeah, no, this is ugly. You can't trust Allen Robinson right now. You can't trust Mooney. You can't trust Fields. You can't trust anything on this offense outside of Herbert. They don't want to pass the ball. They just want to run the ball as much as they can, take some pressure off of Fields, and hopefully their defense can get it done. That That's their entire game plan. That's not going to change. Just if you're going to play anyone, play Herbert because he has looked good. 
We're moving on. Um, not spending a lot of time on that game as a catch-up game. We got the Rams and the Texans, 47.5 total here. L.A. is a 14.5-point favorite. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup continues to absolutely crush. We saw Higby get involved last week, but I think this is a spot where Daryl Henderson and the Rams defense makes a ton of sense. Um, but, I mean, you could play Cooper Cup every week. Yeah, no, absolutely no problem. He's just destroying every single game. He's been so good. I mean, I can't remember a single time in all my DFS history where you've seen a guy through seven weeks get 30 or more points four times. Like, it's absolutely incredible what he's doing. It's absolutely incredible. The consistency, the target share, everything. I have no problem playing Cooper Cup, but Daryl Henderson is the play here. He is projected to be fairly high on, but He's getting the workload. He's getting the downs. He's getting everything. He's involved in the receiving game. Like last week, yes, I get he didn't get a touchdown, but guess what? They just wanted to let Matt Stafford sling it against his old team and just run up the score. This is a perfect game script for him going up against Houston that has not been good and is not good defensively. Like Henderson's in for a massive workload here, and his 6.5K price tag is just far too low. Yeah, I mean, Henderson's too cheap in this game. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I think you can play Cooper Cup. You can play Robert Woods if you want to. But I think this is a Henderson week. Um, and ownership's kind of reflecting that. Cooper Cup's 25% ownership at 9K. I mean, there's no reason not to play him at this point. The dude's just crushing every single week. Um, I, I mean, he's had over, what, 30 fantasy points in, what, four of the seven games this year? Like, that's just crazy. Like, uh, Houston Texans side of things. I think the biggest thing to note about the Texans here is Tyrod Taylor is supposed to play. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference. I don't know about you. Um, but I think that makes a huge difference going from Davis Mills to Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor like has the opportunity to potentially keep this game closer. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Houston plus 14 and a half. Maybe I'm crazy, but, um, I, I kind of like, cooks in this spot 5.7 K they should be trailing Tyrod Taylor should be able to move the ball better uh what are your thoughts on Houston yeah I actually don't mind Tyrod he's under 5k like this guy was so cheap like pricing came out good numbers before he got injured like he can get it done on the ground too can get you a rushing touchdown and cooks is just going to get absolutely hammered with targets this entire game like, I have no interest in anyone else. Like, if you want to target David Johnson at 4.2K, I don't have a problem with that without Ingram in there. But, like, Lindsey is in there. Burkhead's in there. Like, we don't know what's going to end up happening. I don't I don't really want to mess with that. I, I could change my mind later on in the week because he can get so much done in the receiving game. But, really, like, Tyrod was good before he got injured. Like, he was actually playing good. They smoked Jacksonville. They were doing pretty well versus Cleveland before Tyrod got hit, got injured. He slings the ball downfield. Like Cooks is one of my favorite wide receivers on this slate. The only problem is apparently I'm not alone. And he's projected for 25% ownership. I don't care. Like my way to get different is a pairing with Tyrod. Hope that Tyrod ends up getting it into the end zone on the ground. And both of them can end up crushing their value. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the the Taylor call. 4.9K is just so cheap. Um, so I like Cooks. I like the idea of maybe taking some shots on Taylor here. Um, I, I mean, like, think back week one, you know, we saw 131, 132 receiving yards from Cooks um, in a game where there was a blowout in Houston's favor against Jacksonville. So, I mean, I, I like this spot. I really do. Um, assuming Taylor plays, I know they were going to like ease him back in practice with the intention to play this week, but assuming Tyrod plays, uh, let's go Jacksonville, Seattle, 43 and a half total here. Seattle is a three point favorites. Um, any interest in Jacksonville Robinson, like Seattle has been so bad versus the running back. Robinson has been so involved and so good and getting such a massive workload. He he's a fantastic play here. Um, 6.6K, like like I said, there's a ton of mid-tier running backs that are far too cheap. This is one other guy. Like, he's just 
been fantastic. If you want to go with Marvin Jones, I'm not going to fault you, but more than likely you're better off not doing that because he's 5.9 K. Um, Chenault, if you want to go ahead, Arnold is going to be the chalk tight end because of what he's done recently. I don't know if I'm going to buy into that. I'd rather just play Robinson. Um, yeah, I think Robinson's the play. I don't mind maybe looking at like Marvin Jones um, in tournaments, but I think this is a James Robinson spot. Running back is really strong this week. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard it through us talking about this slate, but running back is really, really strong. Wide receiver is kind of shaky. Tight end is really weak. So, I mean, Dan Arnold isn't even a bad play at 2.8K. He's a cheap tight end play. Um, Seattle Seahawks, I mean, this is a much better spot for Geno and this offense. Um, do we think they're able to move the ball here? I mean, listen, we know they're going to move the ball here. Let's just go with that um, because this team stinks. But what do you like here for Seattle? Yeah, it's super interesting. Everyone's saying that Geno's terrible, and he probably is. That's beside the point. doesn't matter. He still has Lockett and Metcalf to throw to. He's played three incredibly tough defenses, L.A., Pittsburgh, and New Orleans, like three of the roughest defenses to go against. I think this is a spot where I don't know if I'll end up playing Geno, maybe on a side like Superdraft, where I'm sure he's a super high multiplier. But I think Metcalf and Lockett are both serious guys to consider here um they're going to get a decent amount of volume yes carol's going to like to just pound the ball but they have big touchdown equity they have big playability like this is an interesting spot here going up against jacksville it's just not a very good defense i could see either one of these guys coming in at sub three sub two percent owned and end up with 25 plus points I think that you could definitely take a shot on either of these guys, and it's not a bad idea at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Metcalf, I think, has a ton of upside in, in this spot. Um, Alex Collins, is he potentially going to be like a forgotten running back on this slate? No, no, he'll he'll be owned. Like he's so if you can't get up to the six K, then you get to him and because he's just getting a huge amount of volume he's he's definitely going to be played by a lot of people no no thought on maybe like Richard Penny eating into his ownership a little bit I don't think so I'm just saying I mean yeah I'm I'm, I'm not playing I'm playing a ton of Collins here um but yeah Penny could potentially eat into it so I I, I like him he's not going to get a ton of third down work I don't know I, I just don't think that there's a spot where I want to eat 15% ownership on Alex Collins. New England at LA taking on the Chargers. 49 total here. Chargers a four and a half point favorites. Um, any interest in the Patriots here? Pretty much just Harris. Maybe Myers. Maybe Henry. But this is a spot where I don't want to play anyone. Like, yes, Harris, if the game script's right, he's going to end up with a decent amount of rushes, has touchdown upside. Like tournament play, sure, go ahead. But you better be bringing it back with at least one pass catcher from the Chargers. Myers, like he's getting the he's getting volume, but still does not score a touchdown. Like you're not getting a huge amount of upside. Yes, variance is probably going to land more his way, but he's high owned every week. This is going to be a similar situation. You don't want to eat that ownership on a guy that's not likely to get into the end zone. The interesting guy is Hunter Henry who's gotten a touchdown in four straight matchups, will be utilized in the end zone. It's a revenge game. Don't forget that. So I think Henry is the main play on this outside of Harris with some Charger bringbacks. Charger are allowing the most fantasy point per game to tight ends this season too. Um, I mean, it's so close between Henry and Smith, but Henry's running way more routes and playing more snaps than Janu. So I think Hunter Henry is a fantastic tournament play here. Yeah, um, and sorry, something real quick what I was talking about earlier where not buying into tight end defensive numbers, the Chargers are giving up the most points. They have played Washington when Logos Tom was, Tom, this was healthy, Dallas, Kelsey, Waller and Mark Andrews. They faced the three best tight ends in the league, probably. And two other ones that are top 10. 
It, I, I, I don't buy in too much of that number, but regardless, play Hunter Henry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, you, you know, you mentioned all that. They're just, they've been so good against shutting down wide receivers. It's almost like they're funneling to the tight end. Because, like, even the teams that you mentioned, like, I'm pretty sure Tyree Kill didn't have a big game against them. Um, they have some good corners. So, I, I just, I'm with you. I think it's all, you know, who's played who type of thing. But I do think, you know, even looking at, um, you know, some pro football focus numbers, like they're just kind of funneling to the tight end this season. So I think Hunter Henry's in a great spot um, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, I just it's so hard to get excited about the Patriots offense. You know, Harris is fine. I like Henry a lot. And I think Myers is okay. He's eventually going to score a touchdown, right? Um, yeah. Although Bill Belichick doesn't seem like the guy that's going to be like, yeah, let's give Henry some extra workload because he's facing his old team. Yeah. But Bel- Belichick's also one of those coaches where if they're funneling to the tight end, he'll throw 15 passes to Hunter Henry in this game. Yep. Yeah. So, no, I was, again, I'm still very much on Hunter Henry. <laughs> Belichick's going to take whatever road you're going to give him in the coaching aspect of things. He's very, very good. Um, I mean, Belichick's the only reason this total is so close. Let's talk Chargers here. I mean, Austin Eckler coming off of a really bad game, but I don't – it's so hard to look into that Baltimore game. The Chargers just didn't have it. Like, that whole game was just ugly. They got absolutely handled by Baltimore. Uh, they're coming off of a bye week. Like, I think this is a great spot to go back to the well on Chargers. Yeah, and I think Eckler's probably the play here. Like I said, a lot of people are going to be going mid-tier when it comes to running back. But prior to last week, Eckler had 33, 29, 22, 22 fantasy points. He's heavily involved in the receiving game. I think that like there's a chance Belichick tries to take him take Eckler out of the game, but more than likely he's just going to try and take Mike Williams and Ke- or Keenan Allen out of the game. I think there's a spot where you can go with Eckler, where you can go with Jared Cook. Like you can go with either of the wide receivers, but Eckler and Jared Cook are probably the two plays. Again, we talk about how terrible the slate is with tight end. Jared Cook's getting consistent volume every single week. Big touchdown threat, like thirty four hundred. You're not going to get much more upside from a thirty five or thirty four hundred dollar player than Cook, but Eckler should absolutely smash in the spot and should go entirely overlooked. Um, I mean, Mike Williams is going to, you know, a week to get healthy. He's been a huge red zone threat this season. He's a guy that can score two touchdowns in any game. So in tournaments, you definitely want to get some exposure to Mike Williams every single week. And then Jared Cook, I don't think is a terrible option here. and Just kind of a, another cheaper tight end play. Do you think Hunter Henry comes in less than 5%? Or do you think his ownership shifts throughout the week? I think he'll probably be slightly higher. Again, it's tough to figure out this early on the week, but um, tight end's ugly this week. So I think that some people latch onto him just because of the revenge game narrative. Up next, we got Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints. 50 total in this game, Tampa Bay minus five. Let's start with uh, the Tampa Bay side of things. Um, It doesn't sound like Antonio Brown's going to play or – we we shouldn't see Gronk here, right? That's the last thing that I had yeah. saw. Um, what do you like here for Tampa? I mean, it's interesting. Godwin probably grades out as one of the top point-per-dollar plays on the entire slate. Going up against New Orleans, they're likely to shadow Mike Evans with Lattimore. He hasn't had a ton of success with Lattimore in the past. He's only really had one decent game going up against him. But Godwin and Fournette are both going to be fairly chalky here. I mean, it's not surprising they have a 27.5 implied team total here. Um, but I, I think I'm more apt to just kind of fade him. I mean, the grad is fine, but we saw what New Orleans did against Tam- or against Tom last year, um, at least in the first or second matchup. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a spot where it's automatic that Tampa Bay is going to just put up a boatload of points like they have the rest of the season. I think there's a chance that this game ends up low scoring. New Orleans is probably going to rush the ball a decent amount here, even at going up against the Tampa Bay defense. It's good against the run because it's what New Orleans wants to do. So honestly, while Godwin and Fournette grayed out as good plays outside of ownership, I'm probably just going to fade this whole game. Yeah, I mean, I think Godwin's and Godwin and Evans are – but interesting in this spot. Tampa is still going to put up points, and 
Mike Evans is going to be a lot lower owned than Chris Godwin. Um, I want to see if Gronk plays too. I think if Gronk plays, he's he's interesting at four point six k. Um, assuming that there's no limitations on him, but I mean this team's playing for the playoffs, so if he's not ready, I don't think he he'll play. And then on the the Saints side of things, I, I mean I know it's a really tough matchup for Alvin Kamara, but he's so involved in the passing game that it's hard not to like him here. Taysom Hill with a concussion didn't practice Wednesday, so he's still very questionable for this game. If he's out, then like there's nobody that's going to take Alvin Kamara's like goal line work. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting play with Kamara. He is being heavily targeted in the receiving game. Tampa Bay, going back to the beginning of last year, I think has had close to, if not the most targets given up to opposing running backs. Kamara's kind of like the guy that is going to get lost in this one because no one likes to play running backs versus Tampa. But like I said, we had Gaskins put up a massive game against – we've had guys in the past put up massive games against them, and they're always guys that put up big numbers in the receiving game. So Kamara projecting at sub-3% ownership, he could end up with a 30-point game here. I think they're going to do a lot of dump-offs to him. I don't know if I'd play Winston or any of these wide receivers. I mean, watching the Monday night game, these wide receivers are very good. Like Stills is over the hill. Ingram's probably not going to be entrenched in the offense enough where I think Kamara just does most of the work here and gets a ton of passing game work. So he's the only guy I really have interest in from here. And he does make a really good tournament GPP play. I hope he comes in at low ownership right now. We have him projected for single digits ownership, and I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Everyone's going to go with Henry at just 200 above because everyone always likes to go with Henry. He's like a he's like a Christian McCaffrey. He's just so involved. Like they just don't have any wide receivers. Like I like Alvin Kamara a lot in this game. We finish out the slate with Washington at Denver, forty-four total in this game. Denver is a three-point favorite. Uh, do you like anything here from the football team? Seals Jones still too cheap at three point eight k. McLaurin still going to be underowned, and he's going to. Like, he has a chance at a massive game here. They are going to sling the ball to him. We just saw it last week with him going up against the Packers, not nearly high enough ownership, and puts up 25 points. Like, he's so good, and he's so heavily targeted that I don't care the matchup, even though it's going to be an ugly game. Like, McLaurin is in for some targets, and Seals Jones, the second viable wide receiver in this offense, he's way too cheap. He's going to be the chalk tight end, I think, at 3.8K because it's so easy to get him in here and – his role is so solidified until Logan Thomas comes back. So it's just those two guys. I'm not messing with Antonio Gibson. I'm not messing with Humphreys or McKissick or any of these other guys. Like the game script really doesn't favor playing McKissick. So it's really just Seals Jones and McLaurin. On the, I mean, yeah, I mean, McLaurin and Seals Jones. And then on the Denver side of things, I mean, I think the running back situation is still a mess with Melvin Gordon and Williams. Um, Jerry Judy might be back for this game. Uh, I mean, all signs are pointing towards him, you know, being back. He practiced Tuesday. I just, there's so many mouths to feed in this offense now. Like maybe Judy at at 4.9 K just because of his price and maybe a little Noah Fant just because tight ends weak. Honestly, (laughs) This sounds ridiculous, but I don't hate Bridgewater. Um, I know he's trash, but like he's put up some pretty decent outings so far this season. With Judy back, it gives him an upgrade to the passing game. The Washington pass defense really has not been great. Like I can see this as a spot where they sling the ball 45 times and Bridgewater puts up a pretty decent game, and you can pair him with Sutton. You can pair him with Judy now that he's back, who's too cheap at 4.9K, considering how good this guy is. You can throw Fanton there. Like, don't even hate Patrick. It's one of those spots where I think they could end up getting there with volume, and Bridgewater could have a pretty big output, and he's projected at 1.5% ownership along with Sutton and everyone else being projected for low single digits. Like, this is an interesting tournament spot, especially if you're kind of swapping around with the late games. Um, it, this could be a decent spot where if, you, if you're if you training a little bit or you want to be a little bit different, swap on over to the Denver game. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. 
to potentially look at this game if you need some if you need to catch up. Um, I think Judy's just too cheap. I mean, I think that's my initial thought here. This guy has monster ceiling. He had seven targets in week one against the Giants, had six catches, 72 yards, didn't score a touchdown. And I mean, I think he's just too cheap. Uh, let's play the morning grind game. And then um, we'll we'll get out of here for a week. Uh, give me a quarterback that's going to throw for 300 plus yards this week. Um, I'll go with Matt Ryan. I like it. I like it. Um, I just have a weird feeling that Sam Darnold bounces back this week. So I'm gonna, we're gonna we're gonna play the Carolina Atlanta game. Uh, give me a low owned running back for a touchdown. Um, Nick Chubb. I like that one. Um, man, there's so many. It's so early in the week, but Jonathan Taylor coming in at less than 3% ownership is, is not going to happen, but I mean, I, I'll take him for a touchdown. Give me a quarterback wide receiver stack for a touchdown. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Tarod to cooks. Oh, you took my, you took mine. Um, all right. Give me Winston Pittman. Uh, wide receiver for eight plus targets. I go with Cooks again. All right. Trying to find someone that. Give me, give me Raymond. And then a tight end for a touchdown. Hunter Henry. And you like took my answers today. Um. Give me Gasecki. Okay. Defense for 10 plus points. Who's playing the Jets? <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals, it is. Um I'm gonna go Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills are gonna beat up on my Dolphins this week. So any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, back to back to basketball research. Yeah, I got to finish up some basketball content. Start on NASCAR content, too. So right there with you, buddy. It's going to wrap it up here for week eight. We'll be back next Thursday talking week nine. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you then. Hey, kids.